Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash rxw. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Kiowa Kirin International. Kiowa Kirin is not responsible for and has had no input in the activity content, which has been developed independently by Peer Voice. Professor Ganotha and Professor Skarisbrick. Welcome to this peer voice activity on mycosis fungoides and Caesare syndrome. This activity comprises two presentations featuring Professors Emanuela Ganotha and Julia Skarisbrick. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Welcome. My name is Julia Skarisbrick and I'm a consultant dermatologist at University Hospital Birmingham. Welcome to this activity on the important role flow cytometry plays in the diagnosis of mycosis fungoides and Caesare syndrome. I'm very pleased to have my colleague, Professor Manuela Granova from Lausanne University, also a consultant dermatologist, joining me today. We're going to be talking about cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, which is a group of rare non-Hodgkin's lymphomas that present in the skin. The classical types of CTCL are mycosis fungoides and Caesare syndrome. Mycosis fungoides is a commoner type with variable presentation in the skin, often with patches, plaques, tumours or erythroderma. Blood and lymph node involvement is possible, especially in the later stages of disease. Caesare syndrome is a rare and aggressive leukemic type of CTCL and presents with erythroderma, lymphadenopathy and significant blood involvement. Although it's a primary cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, mycosis fungoides and Caesare syndrome can both have involvement of lymph nodes and blood, as well as viscera, in addition to the skin. The skin is either patches, plaques, tumours or erythroderma, with erythroderma and tumours being classic of advanced disease. Early lymph node involvement may be seen in the early stages of mycosis fungoides, but in the advanced stage, the lymph node becomes partially or fully effaced, and this is a very poor prognostic sign. Visceral involvement at diagnosis is rare. However, blood involvement is common, and low-level blood involvement may be seen in all the stages. B0 is no blood involvement. B1 is where there is some blood involvement, but it doesn't reach the leukemic B2 level of blood involvement. It's important because there is significance of having blood involvement in mycosis fungoides, as the Agar et al. paper showed, where both B1 and B2 had worse overall survival and higher risk of progression in patients with B0. Manuela, would you like to explain the use of flow cytometry in mycosis fungoides and Caesare syndrome? With pleasure. The flow cytometry is a relatively new and objective method that we now implement in the diagnosis of mycosis fungoides and Caesare syndrome. Of note, those diseases have been known for a long time, mycosis fungoides more than 100 years already. And the first attempt to morphologically assess the number of tumor cells or the number of the so-called Accessory cells in blood involvement in cutaneous T-cell lymphoma has proven to have rather low and observer-dependent reproducibility. So now we have implemented flow cytometry to detect circulating tumor cells for mycosis fungitis and Caesare syndrome. And this allows to reliably identify, characterize, and enumerate the tumor burden. How do we define this? by identifying T-cells with an immunophenotype that is different from the immunophenotype of the normal cells. So here you see again what Julius Karisbrick just elaborated on a minute ago, that the blood classification, according to the new recommendations published in the blood journal by Olsen et al. in 2022, can be categorized 
in three different groups, B0, B1, and B2, and it basically measures the amount of tumor cells detectable in the blood by the objective method of flow cytometry. So if we have less than 250 international units of cells, we have a B0 or almost undetectable or undetectable tumor burden in the blood. This is typical for low stages of the disease. We have the intermediate B1 level between 250 and 1,000 cells per microliter blood, and we have the full-blown leukemic B2 stage with more than 1,000 tumor-specific cells per microliter of blood. And then uh, on top of it, we can also differentiate uh, if those tumor cells also have a T-cell receptor clonal rearrangement. This is less important for the B2 because we already have a full-blown leukemic involvement in stage 4A of the disease, but it's more important for the stage 3A and 3B where we can differentiate in B0A or B or B1A and B depending on the T-cell receptor clonal rearrangement. So Manuela, when do you use flow cytometry? According to current recommendations, flow cytometry is mandatory for advanced stage of the disease with suspicion of blood involvement and it's optional for the early stage mycosis fungoides, especially stage 1A of the disease. So to be able, however, to assess appropriate the disease stage of a cutaneous lymphoma, flow cytometry, at least to my opinion, should be performed at the beginning of each diagnostic workup and at the time point of first diagnosis in every cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. Afterward, during the follow-up of the patient, it can be optional for early-stage mycosis fungitis and should remain performed on a regular basis, especially during treatment for full-blown Caesarean syndrome and patients with at least B1 or B2 disease. What is your opinion about that? Yes, we also use flow cytometry in all our patients with mycosis, fungoides and Caesarean syndrome, so we can be sure at diagnosis and join their disease, whether they're progressing in their blood. And what about the markers? What do they all mean? So the markers that are enumerated here, and here we show the current international guidelines on flow cytometry for cutaneous lymphoma, mycosis, fungoides, and Caesarean syndrome, are the most common and established, let's say, traditional markers. And we see CD3, CD4, and CD45, and those are just to find our lymphocytes in the blood because this analysis is performed on whole blood, so there are many different cell types that mix, and we want to focus our analysis on lymphocytes and in case of T-cell lymphoma, specifically CD4 lymphocytes, which are the most common tumor cells. And then there are just two markers on top, CD7 and CD26, that for now are part of the guidelines for the assessment of the disease. And we just measure the loss of those two markers on CD4-positive lymphocytes, CD7 negativity and CD26 negativity. That's all. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. How do you interpret the results then? As I said, first and most important, as you see in example one, which is an example of borderline or a healthy person, first we have to detect our T cells. And T cells in general are CD3 positive. So you see in the upper right quadrant, 56.8% CD3, CD4 positive cells. And those are all our helper lymphocytes. They are marked in blue. If there is a negativity in one of the markers, CD7 or CD26, then this cell population drops down to the lower right panel, which is the panel of one negative 
markers. And then in example two and three, you see two classical examples of patients with full-blown Sazerary syndrome, and the tumor population is marked in pink. You see in the first panel a very specific lower expression of CD3 on tumor T-cells, which is the first hint that we get that there is something abnormal going on in this blood. And then you see that in example two, the cells are CD26 negative, but they are not necessarily CD7 negative, which is very, very common in Cesare syndrome. And in example three, you see already a full-blown Cesare syndrome with the pink population of CD4 positive lymphocytes that have low CD7. You see that the population in the lower middle plot is moving from the upper right to the upper left quadrant. And the same happens also with the CD26 expression. We have rather high loss of CD26 expression and movement of the tumoral population from the upper right to the upper left quadrant. Thank you. That's really helpful. It's always difficult to know how to interpret the reports. But actually, what's the information that will be given on our printed report in clinic? So the flow cytometry evaluation report can give you information about the presence or absence of abnormal T-cells that are different from normal lymphocytes. So based on the gated populations, you should get the absolute count so that you can fit the disease burden of your patient in B1, B0 or B2. You can have information on the type of abnormality those cells exhibit. So it should be a percentage of the T-lymphocytes. And then you see here different combinations, the most important that we look at currently in the guidelines is the loss of CD26 or CD7 or both of them on CD4 positive lymphocytes. And then, of course, we always calculate the CD4, CD8 ratio for the entire lymphocytic population. And we have the third criteria based on the current recommendations for the diagnosis of cutaneous T-cell lymphoma, mycosis, mongoitis, or Cesare syndrome with blood involvement. The quantity of the normal cells to disease burden and for staging is as the following their absolute count for the CDAT cells have prognostic significance with 600,000 per microliter being the ideal cutoff point to assess prognosis. Thank you, Renuela. I'd just like to summarize our discussion. We've talked about how we define blood involvement with flow cytometry in mycosis fungoides and Cesare syndrome and how it is needed to stage mycosis fungoides and Cesare syndrome. Particularly, all stages of MF, even the early stages, can have blood involvement and it's measured using the B class, B0 to B2 where B0 is less than 250 international units of the aberrant immunophenotype of CD4 cells with either loss of 7 or loss of 26. And B2 is greater than 1,000 international units, again, with CD4, CD7 negative, or CD4 positive, CD26 negative. And this is the definition for Cesare syndrome. B1 of those patients that fall in between the 250 and 1,000 value. B1 has also been shown to be a poor prognostic indicator in previous studies. B0 is found in most early stage patients, but those about 20 to 32% have B1 disease. And by definition, B2 is advanced disease. In contrast, B0 is very infrequent in those with the erythrodermic CTCL, less than 20%. We will now go on to discuss some case studies. Hello, my name is Emanuela Genova. I'm a consultant dermatologist at the University Hospital in Lausanne, Switzerland. I welcome you to this activity on important role of flow cytometry in the diagnosis of mycosis, fungoides, and Cesare syndrome. I'm very pleased to have my colleague, Professor Julius Carisbrick from the University Hospital of Birmingham, United Kingdom, joining me today and discussing some interesting cases on cutaneous lymphoma and flow cytometry. Thank you, Emanuela. 
I'd like to present a 62-year-old who presented with erythroderma following a seven-year history of an itchy dermatitis. His skin biopsy was suspicious for CTCL, CD30 was negative, and he had a matching clone in blood and skin. His blood counts, including lymphocytes, were normal range, but flow cytometry identified an aberrant immunophenotype with 44% of cells CD4 positive had loss of 7 and 31% of CD4 cells had loss of the CD26 marker, consistent with the B1B by absolute counts, as a TCR clone was also present. CD scan identified lymph nodes which were dermatopathic on biopsy, so the overall stage was 3B, that was T4, N1A, M0 and B1B. Many patients present with erythroderma and the differential diagnosis is wide. Common inflammatory dermatoses such as exven psoriasis can develop erythroderma in their most severe form. Mycosis fungoides, which typically presents with patches and plaques of the bathing trunk area, may also develop or present with erythroderma, which is defined by greater than 80% surface area involved with the disease and is diagnosed as advanced stages 3A or 3B if the classical findings of cesary are not fulfilled. Pathological features on a skin biopsy may be sparse and blood involvement is not always present to be naught in 3A or low-level B1 in 3B. Demonstrating an identical skin and blood clone by TCR may also help. He was initially treated with methotrexate with partial response for eight months before loss of response. He was then switched to mogulizumab and received seven months treatment with a good response in blood and skin. However, at seven months, an increase in lymph nodes was noted on a CT scan and repeat biopsy showed small aggregates of lymphoid cells consistent with N2 disease. He was switched to gemcitabin to reduce lymph node involvement and aim for an allogeneic stem cell transplant in first remission. This is achieved three cycles when he was transplanted and remains well. He has low-grade skin relapse, which has been treated with skin-directed therapy, and blood and lymph nodes have remained clear. Erythrodermic CTCL may be misdiagnosed as eczema or psoriasis. So remember, check a skin biopsy, TCR, full blood count, flow cytometry, and LDH in erythrodermic patients. Patients with erythrodermic CTCL have a poor long-term outcome and may require several systemic therapies to induce remission. Consider an allogeneic stem cell transplant in first remission for eligible patients to try and improve outcome. A low-grade relapse post-transplant may occur and may be managed with skin-directed therapy. Emanuela, will you be able to present the second case? With pleasure. Thank you, Julia. I would like to share with you the case of Wood, a 70-year-old female patient with a difficult-to-diagnose cesare syndrome. The patient presented first in our outpatient clinic in 2016 with initial diagnosis of atopic dermatitis. She had pruritic erythroderma at that time, but she did not have generalized lymphadenopathy or any other special sign for cutaneous lymphoma. Laboratory investigations were performed back then and showed some atypical cerebriform cells, suspicions for cesare cells in the peripheral blood of the patient. However, the full criteria for diagnosing cutaneous lymphoma were not yet met. So flow cytometry at this point was unremarkable with a clear B0 disease of the patient. So according to the diagnosis of atopic dermatitis, she was scored with the SCORA 79 and eligible for treatment for atopic dermatitis. At the beginning, she was treated with topical steroids, UV1 phototherapy, and systemic treatments with retinoids. However, after lack of response and worsening of the skin disease, she was administered with dupilumab, which is appropriate treatment for this stage of atopic dermatitis. So there was initial improvement of the erythroderma of the patient, but continuation 
on the treatment with dupilumab resulted quickly in reduced performance status with fatigue, night sweats, and worsening pruritus. Of note, this worsening is happening three years after the original manifestation of the skin disease and the diagnosis of AD. So the follow-up clinical investigations three years later showed that Erythroderma developed with 95% of body surface area involvement with a typical palmoplantar hyperkeratosis and inguinal and auxiliary lymphadenopathy. And actually, one-third of the lymphocytes at this stage already had a typical cerebriform structure, highly suspicious for Cesare syndrome. Here, the new follow-up flow cytometry evaluation showed already CD4-CD8 ratio of 8.2, which is much higher than the average 2 to 4 in normal individuals, does not yet completely reach the threshold for clear-cut diagnosis of Cesare syndrome, but 8.2 or above 5 is already very suspicious. And then we detected immunotypically abnormal CD4 low T-cells with partial loss of CD7 and aberrant expression of less popular but also highly suspicious for Cesare syndrome markers, CIGIT and CD164. So those atypical CD4 T-cells represented a large portion of the lymphocytes of our patient, 82% or above 1,000 per microliter, so a B2 involvement of the blood. And together with the repetitive detection of a monoclonal T-cell population and with atypical clinical appearance with erythroderma and lymphadenopathy, the diagnosis of Cesare syndrome was now very, very clear. And with this case, to strengthen again that especially in the era of new multiple anticytokine treatments, those cases are becoming more and more common and the role of flow cytometry in uncovering those patients is essential. So based on this new information, our patient route was switched from the Pilumab treatment to extracorporeal photophoresis, which is a first choice treatment for Cesare syndrome. She responded well so far. And other options that could be considered for the treatment if this patient, if she has a recurrence of disease or lack of response or loss of response could be, for example, mogamulizumab systemic treatment. Julia, would you have maybe another case to share with us? Thank you, Manuela. I would like to present a 69-year-old male who presented with a three-month history of erythroderma, intractable pruritus, and malaise. A skin biopsy was consistent with CDCL, and the full blood count showed a lymphocytosis of 50, and the blood film showed sensory cells. Flow cytometry was performed and identified an aberrant CD4-positive, 26-negative population, 75%, but less than 1% had CD7 loss. The patient was initially commenced on methotrexate while staging procedures were undertaken. A CT scan identified lymphadenopathy and a biopsy confirmed N3 disease, consistent with stage 4A2 Cesare. He had three cycles of CHOP with reduction in lymph nodes and partial responses in skin and blood. He was then switched to triple therapy with ECP interferon of but had no response and then switched to gemcitabin. But after the three doses developed capillary leak syndrome and treatment had to be stopped. After resolution of his adverse event, he was commenced on mogulizumab, and after two cycles, his skin and blood were improving. So the learning points from this study should flow cytometry should test for both 7 and 26 loss, as only one may be lost in a patient. Cesare patients may present with nodal disease stage 4A2, as well as just blood involvement. Consecutive treatments are needed, and patients have a high response rate to chemotherapy, but responses don't tend to be durable. Mogulizumab can be effective in heavily pre-treated patients. 
Thank you very much, Julia, for this beautiful case. Dear colleagues, thank you for being with us. I hope we can convey the message how important is it to use the pulse cytometry as a state-of-the-art method for diagnosing cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. Be aware of the existence of the disease. Cesare syndrome may be even more common than you consider it, and pulse cytometry is the appropriate method to diagnose it together with the typical clinical picture, of course. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been an activity published by Peer Voice.